You're listening to Mental with Martini Mantha. Sit back, pour yourself a martini, and get ready to dive deep and get mental. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. Here's your host, Martini Mantha. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mental with Martini Mantha. I am really excited about my guest today. She is one of my lifelong friends and just an amazing human being, Macy Banks. She got her degree in broadcast journalism from UGA. She currently is a radio co-host for multiple radio stations in Athens and Orlando. She unfortunately has faced some difficult issues with body dysmorphia, as well as anxiety, but ultimately persevered and became a much stronger person as a result. So today we're going to pick her brain on her story with anxiety and body dysmorphia and also the struggles of body issues today in women and with our society in general. So give it up for Macy Banks. Hello, Macy. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for coming on. Of course. I'm so excited for you. And I'm just so proud of you because you've talked about this for so long (laughs) and you're doing it and I get to be on it. So I'm excited. Yeah. And you've helped so much with getting everything going. Oh, it was nothing, girl. Well, are you ready to dive deep into your personal life? Let's do it. I'm kind of nervous. I mean, I know I talk for a living and talk about my life, but this is like a different kind of vulnerability. I know. Well, first, what martini are we drinking? Well, I mean, honestly, I just went with kind of what I had. So it's a, I want to call it a martini mule or no, what did I call it? Moscow martini. Yeah. A Moscow martini. So I like it. Yeah. It's so it's vodka, ginger beer and lime. Super simple. Yeah, I know. I really like it. It's basically a Moscow mule, but... (laughs) in a martini glass. Why don't we start with you telling me a little bit about yourself? Yes, I am on the radio in Athens, Georgia. I do a morning show and I have a co-host. I've been doing this for three years now, right after I got out of school. I also do a couple other shifts. Obviously morning show is live. We're live five to 9 a.m. And then I'm also on air nine to noon at that same station. It's a country station. And then I'm on the top 40 station in the afternoon. I voice track for a station in Orlando. So I'm just super busy, always talking. So you're super famous. No, I'm not. I talk (laughs) about famous people. I'm not famous. (laughs) Well, you will be one day. That's the goal. All right. Tell me a little bit about your childhood and what it was like for you growing up. Any peak moments you want to talk about at all? Yeah, sure. It's so funny because I have the worst memory when it comes to my childhood. I just don't remember a lot of exact moments, if that makes sense. I mean, honestly, I grew up in a great family. I have no complaints with how I grew up. This isn't going to be some story where something tragic happened to me and I was changed. I had a really good life growing up. I have one sister. She's seven and a half years older. So that age difference was really weird when we were both in the house as kids. We weren't really close. Like I was such a brat to her and she was always like the cool, older, hot, popular sister. And we didn't really become close until the end of my freshman year in college when you and I were at school. She'll probably play, not really play a role in like the whole body dysmorphia thing, but we do look very different. We grew up looking different. So she was almost like a picture of what I thought I should look like or what I wanted to, you know? Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting that you say you don't have like some tragic childhood story that impacted you because I think some people don't. You don't have to have some traumatic childhood to have anxiety or mental health disorders. You know, it affects everybody, no matter if you were in like a great environment as a kid or not. So I think it's an interesting perspective. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Okay, so let's talk about your body dysmorphia then. Okay. So when did that kind of start for you? Were there any anxiety triggers of that as a kid? Kind of like what you're talking about with your sister? So I feel like... No, but I mean, I feel like everyone has this story where when you're in middle school, elementary school, whatever, you go through like a bigger phase. And when I say that, I mean, I was five foot, hadn't gone through my growth spurt. I was like 130 something pounds. I mean, you look back at pictures, you're like, who is that? I'm not kidding. Like everyone, I mean, you've seen my pictures. Yeah, I have. (laughs) You knew me. So, you know. So anyways, when I was in middle school, that's when I was probably my biggest at that time. And nothing really phased me. Like I never really had a moment where I was like, I need to lose weight, but I did start changing my diet randomly. Like I was going on walks around my neighborhood. I realized what exercising was. I had never really gotten into exercising and I started eating like salads. (laughs) Like I would still have like fried chicken on my salad and ranch, which isn't the best for you. But at that age, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just kind of like wanted to make these changes for myself and started learning about health. So I ended up in one year that summer, I lost over 30 pounds. I was down to 95 pounds and I was also five, five or five, six. So I'd grown like five or six inches. I went to my annual checkup and they were like, what in the world? You just dropped this much weight. Like, what are you doing? And they thought I had a problem. And honestly, I never saw that I had a problem until people started asking me questions. I still don't think I had a problem then. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I never remembered being depressed. I don't remember being like, I need to lose this weight, but it got me into this headspace of people are noticing me and they didn't notice me before. If anything, and this may sound bad, I felt like they just didn't care about me. And it's not that they didn't. I don't think people just straight up didn't care about me, but once people start noticing you, that's what you start thinking. You know, you're like, people really didn't care. And now they're starting to notice me. People started saying I looked anorexic when I was in ninth grade, Mm -hmm. when I came back and I did start cross country. So I was shedding even more. And my doctor basically was like, stop losing weight. You need to gain. I'm like, okay, whatever. Well, all of high school, I got in like comfortable weight. So I mean, it was fine. I stayed skinny most of my days and I'm now the height of where I'm like near 130. I I haven't reached 130 again, but that's kind of where I should be, you know, for our age, for our size. For your age and height. Yeah, that's probably normal. So all of that was fine. And then freshman year came along of college, I should say. Literally gained the freshman 15. I mean, you were there. (laughs) Might've been like (laughs) freshman 20. Well, I mean, college can do that to you. Let's be real. Over the next few years, I was just trying to get it off, but I wasn't really trying super hard. I was just kind of making dietary changes and just eating better, would still eat every meal. And yeah, just kind of do what was better for me and go back on runs and everything. Cause I've always been a runner and I was just kind of getting back into it. Cause I had really let it go. So it didn't really get bad until about senior year. And I was already at Georgia because you and I went to Georgia Southern and I came to UGA and I would walk to class. And so I ended up walking like three or four miles a day and then go for a run. And there was one point I just stopped eating much and started like restricting myself. And I don't think I was doing it intentionally to get super duper skinny. You know, I just wanted to lose some weight, but my body just kind of got used to not always being nourished. So then lunchtime would come along and I wouldn't be hungry and breakfast would have been coffee. And then I'd go walk my 
four miles and then I'd come home and then I'd go for a run. And this was three years ago. So I was probably when I started doing that, I was 130 something when I got out of college and things just took a turn that freshman year. People started noticing it, that I was getting really skinny and it didn't really bug me. I still was back in that mindset of I'm not doing anything wrong. Like I'm just losing weight because I want to lose weight and I want to look good. And I started getting more confident, like don't get me wrong. And I felt again, noticed and I'll just straight up say it. I was getting DM slides and all this stuff. And that just made me feel confident at the time. So I wasn't really thinking anything bad of it until I just started not feeling good. I mean, I had head problems. I went to the neurologist and like I would get headaches and not know why. And I would have back problems, which I still have. I've had for a while, but they were even worse because my body was just so little. It just couldn't deal with it. I would have stomach issues because I went seriously a full year without any dairy. I know people do that, so it's not a big deal, but I went from very extreme loving cheese to no dairy and not even eating. And so then I'd have some cheese or like a little bit of something and my body would go nuts. And so I was just doing all of these things without realizing it and really screwing up my body and my head as well. I mean, I would look in the mirror and be like, you still need to lose weight. And I would be so skinny. I look back at those pictures now and there's this one certain picture that I look at and it was from 2018 and I took a selfie in the mirror my body I was like where is it I was so little my friends would start saying stuff to me they're like how did you lose weight you know some people would not even realize they're like oh you look so good and I'm like thank you and then other people like my aunt and uncle and their friends would be like is Macy okay so Thanksgiving, um, a few years ago, actually, my parents started noticing it. My grandmother noticed it and they saw I wasn't really eating at Thanksgiving. Like, who does that? And yeah, I was going to ask if there was a moment where you determined like you had an issue. Yes. And needed help. Yes. So Thanksgiving, I guess I'll rewind a little bit of 2017. Thanksgiving, my parents kind of noticed they've never really been one to like say anything. I don't know if they just didn't want to hear it or maybe didn't fully notice what was going on. But my grandmother said something at Thanksgiving and was like, Macy's not eating. Like what's happening? There's a cheese board and she's had none of it. We literally had a full Thanksgiving meal and I ate like carrots slaw or something. And I was like, no, I'm fine. Whatever. Just brushed it off. I woke up two days later and I was still at my parents' house and it was like 6 a.m. And this was my realization moment. I woke up because I couldn't sleep and my stomach almost felt like just way too small. And it was the scariest feeling. And I went to cross my legs like while I was laying down on my bed and they felt so skinny, like they weren't even there. And I didn't want to cry or anything yet. Like I was freaking out a little bit. I just realized I was like starving in that moment at 6 a.m. on like a Saturday. My dad and I were the only ones home. My mom was still at my grandmother's house. So I go downstairs and my dad's like, what are you doing awake? And I just kind of brushed it off. I was like, I'm just kind of hungry. I knew what was wrong at that time. I knew what I was doing. I knew I was not feeding myself. And so I sat there and ate peanut butter and crackers. Just again, in my head, I was like, I don't want to have bad food. So I gave myself peanut butter, knowing that that's good fats and protein and some crackers to give me some carbs. So still in my head, that was circling like stuff like that. How much did you weigh this time? Do you know? Yes, I was 102. And you're how tall? 5'7"? Five, 5'7 seven? <laughs> five, seven and 23 years old, 22 years old at the time. Yeah, it's too skinny. Yeah. And it was the same time that I was first starting out my job. I was finishing school. So like I had all this going on. So I just didn't really care to eat. Again, at that point, I knew what I was doing. It had gone on for months. That day I got some food in me and I felt better. I felt so weak. I literally looked at my dad and I was like, I might have to go to the hospital. And he still wasn't worried. He was calm. He goes, okay, well, what's wrong? And I just said, I need food. I'm just hungry. So it was kind of weird to admit to my dad, I don't feel like I'm eating enough. He got me some Chick-fil-A breakfast. And then literally I went throughout my day and basically didn't eat again. I was like, okay, that's good enough. You know? So then a few days later, I'm back at school and I call my dad and it's like the middle of the day. He's at work. 
And I was like, I don't feel right. I was getting anxious. Like I'd never had a panic attack before. I I wasn't having one then, but I'm anxious. I think I'm too skinny. I need to go to the doctor. And so he came from Atlanta to Athens and he met me at the doctor's office. And the doctor was really cool. I mean, if anyone's going through anything, I just say, make sure you talk to the right people and like people who know what they're talking about. So this doctor, he was asking me questions like, you know, what made you do this? And I was like, well, I just honestly wanted to be skinny. Like, it's not bad to say that I did, you know? And Mm -hmm. he was like, okay, well, what are you doing to do that? I'm like, well, I'm not eating. He's like, well, when you are, what do you eat? And I'm like, almonds, avocados, you know, healthier food. He was like, okay, so you know how to eat right. You can still eat healthy foods. Just eat, like eat your meals, you know? It's really not that big of a deal. And I feel like I've always been very disciplined. So I'm at a comfortable weight right now. I'm between 125 and 130. Still in my head, I'm like, okay, I'd like to be at a certain weight. You know, I'm never going to lose that. Girls just, I don't know if guys have the same feeling, but I feel like you never get to a weight that you want to be. Like I was at my skinniest. I dropped all the weight that I wanted to, and I still wasn't happy. I was freaking, felt like I'm dying. Mm -hmm. So after that, I mean, I just went home and my sister would be like, you need to get some help. Like you need to talk to a therapist. It could really help you. And I was like, you know what? No, I got this. No one believed me. They were like, no, you have an issue. And I'm like, I got this. I really do. So I don't know. After that, I still had some issues. Don't get me wrong. I still would not eat. Cameron was in my life at the time. He was just coming in my life. And your boyfriend, my boyfriend, Cameron. Yeah, we were just starting out. So that didn't help either because us girls, we don't want to eat on dates or maybe you do. Maybe you're that girl, but I didn't. And I didn't want to eat around him. So that didn't help in the beginning. He made some comments that made me want to change too. He'd be like, how are you so skinny? And at the time I'd be like, oh, that feels good to hear. But at the same time, it's like, that sucks when the person you want to be with is kind of unintentionally pointing out some flaws because he didn't think that it was getting in my head, but it did. So I was like, okay, I'll eat dinner then when we hang out. So yeah, I mean, there were just people, things, the timing of stuff, I think is really what helped me kind of overcome it. I'm thankful. Yeah, I was going to ask for what coping mechanisms you discovered to deal with it and how you ended up getting out of it or gaining the weight that you're at today. Yeah. So, I mean, three years and 20 something pounds is pretty good, right? So it's hard to like think about that, you know, because I feel like I'll always be thinking about weight, be thinking about food, be thinking about what I'm doing and what I'm putting in my body. So it's definitely been a challenge. And I mean, I hate the word journey just because it reminds me of like The Bachelor, but it's kind of been a journey. Um, (laughs) But I did not leave the doctor's office that day and start buying like milkshakes and stuff. I mean, I didn't go out and start eating like crap. Did I let myself indulge a little bit more? Yes, because I wouldn't even let myself like have a cookie at that time. You know, I just thought it was so bad for me. But everything's about balance. Again, I know in my head what's right and wrong. I didn't want to pay somebody to tell me stuff. And like, I have no problem with therapy. Actually, I think therapy is great for whoever's doing it. I've heard great things, but I think it also just depends on the type of person you are. Like I'm very disciplined and I feel like I can talk myself into things and talk to people about stuff. So I wanted to be my own like cheerleader and supporter. And I kind of was, and like everyone around me too was so supportive. No one was freaked out. No one screamed at me to do anything, you know, cause I've heard yeah. horror stories about stuff like this. I started eating and honestly being happier. I mean, I always thought that I wanted to be super duper skinny and that would make me happy. Like I have to get to this weight. That'll make me a, like a happier person in life. And it doesn't. If that's anyone's mindset on their body, like being a certain weight is not going to make you happy. The only thing that's going to make you happy is yourself and your own thoughts. And I've never been happier than right now. <laughs> 
Yeah, I love that. So what are things like for you now then? What's today for you? So I feel like I've always had like a healthier lifestyle. I mean, when I started this and stuff. So I mean, I have breakfast, lunch and dinner. But at the same time, if I'm not hungry, I won't eat something because my body doesn't need it right then. But I don't starve myself. Mm -hmm. Or if like for lunch, you know, usually I'll have a wrap or something and I'm not super hungry. I'll have like a salad. So it's really just a matter of balance. If I feel like I'm hungry, I'm going to have something to eat. And sometimes it might be a cookie or like pumpkin bread, like sitting in front of me, or other times it might be like an apple. It's just all about listening to your body. And I'm not like a health and wellness expert. I like took one nutrition class in college and that was it. (laughs) Now you're a pro. I know. Now I know everything. No, but that class actually, I did enjoy it. I guess it's all about just balance and just treating yourself right. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) So you've said some stuff, but what overall, if you could pick the main thing, what is something that you would say to others dealing with the same situation of body issues or an eating disorder? What would you say to them? Well, I think the number one hardest thing, and I don't know if this was apparent in what I was saying, but the number one thing that you have to do is just admit it to yourself because that's when it was a wake up call for me. It was like, okay, I know. I kept hearing it from people. Are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just losing weight. I'm just getting to where I want to be. And then finally it took me a to a certain point and I was like, okay, yes, I have a problem. I didn't think I had a problem for a long time. And then I admitted it to myself. I'm like, yes, you just have to kind of sit back and think, you know, people who care about you, if they're worried about you, maybe step back and wonder why they'd be worried. If you don't think you have a problem, maybe you don't. Then again, you could. But I just think that your self-realization is kind of the biggest thing before you can actually help yourself. Because A lot of these stories don't end well. It goes the opposite, in fact. So I didn't want to be one of those stories. That's why I stepped back. I realized it. And I was like, you literally have one of two ways if this could go. It could get worse or you can figure it out. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to take that route. What do you mean by get worse? I mean, just ending up in places to help you. Like I didn't want to end up going anywhere to where they're like force feeding me. Like, I don't know exactly what people have gone through. I just, there are those stories of anorexia. I straight up can say it. I was anorexic, um, anorexia, bulimia, any of those eating disorders. I mean, bless their hearts. They can end up really bad. I mean, as bad as death. So it's a very serious thing. And my situation could have gotten more serious. I was 102 pounds. My doctor was like, you cannot lose any more weight. You have to go out and figure this out. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to listen to that. Yeah. What is, and it may be similar to what you just said, but what is one thing that you would say to your younger self dealing with it, knowing what you know now? That's really hard because it's really difficult because I think I don't regret anything in my life. I don't want to look back and be like, you should have done this. Whatever you go through makes you who you are in the present. So, you know, what I went through, it did changed my mindset a lot on myself, on body image, on like so many things. So if anything, I could give my advice to my older self as a younger kid would be like, just don't be so hard on yourself because I was, I look back and I'm like, who are you doing that for? Like I was doing it kind of for me, but I was probably also doing it for social media and the attention. Like I can just straight up say that and I'm an open book. So I think I would just be like, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. I like that. I think that's good. I'm curious on your thoughts of just where this comes from 
in society or why this is such an issue in society. Like so many women, I think, struggle with this exact issue of trying to be the perfect body, the perfect shape. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on that? Do we think it's from social media or where did this all come from? Well, look, the thing is too, I mean, I was going to write out notes and stuff for this podcast because I think this is so important, this topic, because it is so in social media and like it comes from social media, but there are both positives and negatives to working on yourself. You know, there's the healthy side where if you follow fitness accounts and you're doing your workouts and you're also feeding your body while you're doing that and like giving it the energy it needs, that's so great. You should be doing that. There's just another side of it where there's this unhealthy world of it where people get so lost in, you know, what some girls look like and they want to look like that. And it's like, you won't look exactly like literally anyone. Like you're only going to be yourself and your body is not going to do exactly what somebody else's body does. Like you've heard it before, like what's good for somebody else is not always going to be the same thing for you. So you just really have to pay attention and listen to your own body. Like if you can't do even a real push-up like the girl on Instagram can do, save yourself and do like a girl push-up or like, you know, (laughs) alter it so that you're still getting your workout if you want to work out, but just you have to listen to your own body. You cannot listen to what other women are saying online. You just really can't. Yeah. And I think especially with Instagram, like it's honestly so fabricated, especially with all these editing apps and everything. And like the way you pose your body, I've started changing the accounts that I even follow on Instagram. So I've started following accounts that support all different shapes of bodies. And there's one, especially I'll have to maybe tag it in the bio or something that I follow where she talks about the differences between Instagram versus reality. You know, that saying of these people making their bodies look perfect for that one shot and then you relax and like that's what your body normally looks like. So women and I feel like especially with young teenagers and stuff, they're probably having it the hardest right now looking at all these accounts on Instagram of these women with perfect bodies and not realizing that that's not normal. That's not a normal daily life. That's a posed picture, probably edited, and that's not realistic. And everybody's body is different and you're not going to get that model's body, you know? That's so true. And I'm so guilty of using Facetune too. I'm glad you brought that up. But like, what's funny is even at my like skinniest and when I thought I was so pretty like years ago, I look back at some of those pictures and I'm like, oh my gosh, I literally either hated this picture or I tried to change it. And I looked so good. And you don't realize that because you're comparing yourself to everyone else. And you're right about the social media thing. I mean, what you see is not always what is real. And Mm -hmm. it pissed me off. Like I've gotten really into TikTok lately. And so it made me (laughs) so mad when this poor, I mean, she ain't like poor, poor. She's Charlie D'Amelio. Like Charlie D'Amelio, the most followed girl on on TikTok. People are like, commenting, I get it. She's a big celeb and you think your comments going to get lost in the sauce. But like so many people are commenting saying that she's like gained weight or whatever. First of all, she looks so good. Second of all, she's 16. Like, can you imagine what's going through her head with all of these comments about her freaking body? Yeah, that's a vulnerable age too. I just think it goes back to what I said in my first podcast of just like, you really need to figure out how to love yourself. So stop comparing yourself to others. Figure out how to love yourself. Yeah. And be be happy in your body and doing it. Back to what you said, which I really liked of who are you doing this for? Are you doing it for other people? Or are you doing it for society, boys? Like who are you doing it for? You should be doing it for yourself and that's it. Yeah. I also want to mention too, this might be like a little bit off topic or going back to a different topic, but I was just thinking of, you know, who would be listening to this and who's kind of like been with me through 
everything I've went through and stuff. And one thing I would say is like, if you're watching somebody go through like a body dysmorphia situation, or like you notice your friend, like someone that you know is having these issues, not eating or whatever, you have to tread lightly. You cannot come at them like guns blazing. I don't even know if you can have a conversation with them yet. You've got to bring it up at some point, I'm sure, like if it gets really bad. But if you're just like watching somebody go through a situation like that, don't make little notes. I thought about this. Like don't make notes like if you're out at dinner or something and they're not eating, be like, oh, why aren't you eating? Because for instance, for me, that made me even more not want to eat. You want to kind of rebel when you hear people say certain things. So you just kind of have to come at it in a way that you're supportive but also a little bit concerned and that you just want to know what's going on in that person's life and head. I know that and was a little bit off pushy. topic. Yes. No, no, I, I like what you're saying. I agree. Because I think a lot of people just be more aggressive with it instead of being more sympathetic or more compassionate towards yeah, the situation. Exactly. Because it's already going to be an emotional roller coaster. So you can't go at them like accusatory. You just kind of have to talk to them like sister to sister, you know? Mm-hmm. What do you think is like the key things that people should look out for either in their friends or in themselves to realize that they have an issue? Oh, that's hard too. Because you don't want to be looking for a problem in someone. Yeah. Maybe not looking for, but like if you just notice something, when is the time to involve yourself? Right. I guess it also depends on how close you are. Like if it was my sister or something, I would say something and she did too. But at the same time, you don't want to overstep. So... If you hang out with them a lot, if you're really seeing something that's reoccurring, like my roommate at the time, she could see it and she would like say stuff here and there, not mean or anything. Like she would just talk to me, but she noticed way before she said anything. And like, she was talking with my friends about it before she said anything. So maybe the answer to that is like, talk to mutual friends. Not that you're talking behind someone's back, but just out of concern. It's like, are you noticing something that I'm noticing? Is this kind of the same thing that we're both saying like, should we talk to her, this person? Not saying that it's a her. Should we talk to he or she? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe like talk to a mutual friend. Again, don't do it behind the back just as like a concerned friend. Yeah. I think this is a very sensitive topic for people. I mean, especially me, I was open about, you know, me kind of finally admitting that I thought I had, you know, an eating disorder. Right. And actually you helped me kind of come to that realization when yeah. we had that conversation. And I ended up having a conversation with my mom about it. And I was just like, I think I have an eating disorder, mom. Yeah. But I liked when you said admitting it to yourself, like that was a huge step because you're acknowledging it. And that's why I say like, I think people in therapy are, you know, the healthiest because they're acknowledging they have a problem and they yes. want to work on it. So that's a big thing. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, if you're in therapy and if that is the best thing for you, like it's all about what's the best and the healthiest for you. So, you know, at this point, I feel like Cameron's my therapy. You know, maybe that sounds like stupid, but my boyfriend and I have been quarantined together for a while and we just tell each other everything. And like, if I'm having a bad day, if he's having a bad day, you kind of like let it out and he just lets me, you know, and then he'll also, if I'm saying something that I need someone to say something in return or I need like guidance on something, it's so nice to have him there because he always has something to say. And, and that's probably helped me too in the past few years. So I don't feel like I needed therapy help. Yeah. Cause you were reaching out to people and that's a huge thing is don't try and battle it on your own, but like yeah. reach out to the people that love you and care for you. And that can help you through it too. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Okay. <laughs> I love all of this. This is great. Okay. So I'm going to ask you like one final question and then maybe we'll play a game. Okay. All right. So what is... Your final thoughts on this, your life, your story that you want our listeners to hear. Just final thoughts of all this. 
Oh, these are good questions. I would just say anything you do, I mean, anything you put in your body, you do like every day as an activity, just make sure that you're doing it for you and not for anybody else. And I think that's what I had a problem with years ago was I wasn't doing these things for me. I wanted to do these things to make other people see me as a certain way. And in the end, it didn't make me feel better. I kind of got to where I wanted to be when it comes to weight and kind of the goal I was looking for, but then I lost control and I couldn't stop. And I made myself physically sick in many different ways. So it was not worth it. And in the end, I mean, you're going to be a lot happier when you're healthy and just living life and doing things for you and not for anyone else. I love that. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, thank you for sharing all that. Seriously. Of course. I appreciate it. I know. I feel like, again, I mean, I talk every day, but this is the most vulnerable I've ever been. (laughs) I appreciate it. I think vulnerability is, is awesome. Yeah. So me too. You're awesome. No, thanks. All right. Do you want to play a game now? Yeah, Let's make I it do. Fun. Let's lighten the mood. Okay. So we are going to play a game called truth or drink. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question and you either tell the truth or if you don't answer it, you drink and I'll answer the questions too. We can, we can okay. both answer okay. or drink. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. All right. First question. What is one thing that you've ever said or did that you wish you could take back? Ooh, said or did that wish I could take back. That's hard. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I have a guy or two. <laughs> a guy that you wish you could take back? <laughs> that I talked to or hung out with I think with we all do. <laughs> I wish I never I met know. him. You can just use your imagination on that one. <laughs> I mean, I know what yeah. you're talking about, but... <laughs> Maybe a couple. So nothing specific? Um, not that I can think of. I know, Again, it's a hard I question. Really have regrets. I don't know. Anything I've said to you, I freaking mean it. <laughs> yeah, right. I think that's a good answer. Okay, let's just drink Fine. for that one. We'll take back our, the, the men and, and drink to them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. What is your most irrational fear? Ooh, getting stuck on an elevator and someone can't get me out. Hi, Cam's home. <laughs> hi, Cam. Sam says, hi, Cam. We're playing a game. What's your most irrational fear, Cam? The oven. Oh, yeah, the oven. His is just a straight the up oven? answer. Yeah, he can't deal with the oven. <laughs> like, I put like, everything into and out of it. Why? Is he just afraid of getting burned? Yeah, and I'm afraid of the elevator. That's a good one. That's a good one. I like and that. And it's, like, seriously so dumb, I know, so irrational, but I think I'm scared of, like, being in an enclosed... I don't have, like, claustrophobia, I don't think. I've never been in that situation, but I'm just scared of being in an enclosed space. And if other people are in there and we get trapped, that's my fear. Yeah, that's terrifying. Mine is kind of funny and probably stupid. It's irrational. I am, like, afraid to walk over, like, vents on the ground. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I hate walking over them just because I've seen those horror stories of people who like fall in them to their death. Yeah. So I don't like I don't like walking over them. I have to walk around. Oh, them. that's like final destination shit. That's true. That's real. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what is your worst habit? Probably saying the word um or like. Okay. Mine I think is like biting my nails or picking my nails. That's why I always have to get my nails done. So I don't like bite at them or pick them, but then I end up always picking my nails off. Oh yeah. <laughs> I hear you on that one. Yeah. Okay. Next question. What's the weirdest dream you've ever had? Ugh, I've had a lot of weird dreams. Oh, so why? this is, this one. one's so weird. I think sometimes <laughs> my dreams can like tell the future and like, I'm, you know, and sometimes I wish I had a dream journal and then I wrote them down because I 
told Cam, this was when he was on um, the team with Georgia when we first met, but I had a dream on a Wednesday. Okay. And I told him, I was like, it was crazy. You got hurt at a game. Like we were, we we're at the game, you got hurt. And then we were like up on this stage somewhere and I was like looking for you everywhere and he was on crutches and stuff that very next weekend, that game day against Kentucky, he got hurt on Saturday. It was oh my so, God. We- and I had told him about the dream too. I'm like, oh my gosh, I either like jinxed him or. You can tell the future. Or I have. Yeah. I'm Raven Simone. Raven Simone. <laughs> yes. That's so weird. <laughs> Man, TBT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my weirdest dream. I have some weird ass dreams, so I don't even know where to begin. Most of mine are like about the end of the world or like something oh my crazy. Gosh. But it's probably not my weirdest dream, to be honest. But one that I remember that I had like two days ago was if anyone's seen it or if you've seen it, have you seen this show on Netflix called Midnight Gospel? No. Okay, so it's a really trippy show. It's like an animated show and it's actually really deep, but like the topics they're talking about are like completely separate from like all the weird stuff that's happening in the animation but basically my dream was like the animated part of the show and I was like in this pink river with a bunch of Pokemon like animated Pokemon that is so weird and I was just like living my life I like jumped into this river with a bunch of animated Pokemon I was like okay sounds like you were on like Pokemon right (laughs) I know do you feel like you've had weirder dreams in quarantine because I have I have the weirdest dreams, I think, when I'm napping. Oh, Like, true. not when I'm in a deep sleep, like, when I just take a nap. That's so true. I do, too. Yeah. My nap dream is that I wake up as if I'm waking up, but I'm not. I'm still in my dream. And, like, someone's trying to walk in my door, and I have, like, sleep paralysis, and I can't move. Yes. And it's the most terrifying thing. Yes. I've had multiple sleep paralysis dreams. They're, they're terrifying. Like, for me, when it happens, I, like, wake up, and I can see exactly where I fell asleep. Like, my yeah. room, I see, I see me in my bed, but I can't move. Yeah. And I'm just, like, tossing and turning, like... Like, wake up. It's the worst. Yeah. Those are terrifying. I think dreams are so cool. Actually, I was going to say, I I read this article. I can't remember where it's from. Or maybe I heard it on like Joe Rogan or something. Who knows? <laughs> but I heard that when we sleep, our body naturally releases DMT. And that's why we have such weird dreams. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't even know what I'll that means. I'll have to look it up but... to like confirm that's true. DMT is like a drug that people take to like trip like acid or something. Mm, interesting. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Let's do one more question. Okay. All right. What's your most embarrassing moment? I am so embarrassing that this one's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I don't I've got to think about it too. Cameron, what's my most embarrassing moment? What did I do? Oh, that's a good one. Okay. So I got really drunk one night. (laughs) That's where it all begins. And we're at my aunt and uncle's house though. And I didn't mean to get really drunk. We were having an appetizer night. So when you're drinking a lot of wine and hardly eating and this, (laughs) I mean, this is not about body dysmorphia. I'm sorry. This is bad, but like I was just not eating a lot because we were having appetizers and a lot of wine. Mm -hmm. And we were basically doing a wine tasting. Like there were so many different kinds of wine and I had too much and didn't have enough food. And so when like our friends were over there and like my aunt and uncle, I suddenly, I was like, let me order pizzas. And I don't really remember doing this, but I... So I ordered like two pizzas for everybody. Four pizzas. Cam just edited my... Okay, I ordered four pizzas for everybody. (laughs) And then when they were ordered, I guess I forgot that I had ordered them. So I went back to order more and he came over and grabbed my phone right before I pressed like pay. I had tried to order like 27 pizzas and they were like 14 were like veggie. The other whatever were some other weird one. 
And I tried to make it 27 tw- <laughs> pizzas and a $20 donation to St. Jude because my heart was feeling it. Luckily, he stopped me. But the next <gasps> oh morning, my God. the next morning I woke up, I was like, what happened? He explained everything to me. I looked and they had charged me for the $200 of pizzas. And so I had to like call Wells Fargo and Domino's and all this stuff because they were questioning why my card was charged $200 of Domino's when that's not normal on my account. That's a great one. Oh, and I passed out before the pizza even got there and I didn't pay for it. Everyone else had to pay for it when it showed up. <laughs> Wait, that's hilarious. I love that. Oh, that's so it was funny. good. I have a similar story with that with uh, sushi. I like got so drunk. I ordered like a bunch of sushi. I think I ordered like $50 worth of sushi Ooh, yeah. to our place and I forgot that I had ordered $50 worth of sushi. So I ordered another like $75 worth of sushi on Uber Eats. Both of them were on Uber Eats. And I passed out before both of them arrived. And so my roommates here knock at the door and it's like the Uber Eats and here's like $50 worth of sushi. And they're like, okay, you know, Sam's asleep. 10 minutes later, they get another knock on the door and it's like $75 worth of sushi (laughs) being delivered. And I didn't even order like normal sushi things. It was like really weird stuff. Like none of my roommates wanted to even eat it. They were like, this isn't like sushi rolls that you would get. It was like, I can't even explain it. It was like weird stuff. Like I had just select the, selected the Ew. weirdest stuff on the menu. <laughs> yeah. Like none of them even wanted to eat it. They were like, this isn't, this is gross. That's hilarious. I would have done the same thing. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. You did the same thing. I know. <laughs> I don't know if that's my most embarrassing moment though, but it ties into your story. So I'll, I'll go with that. Okay. Okay. Well, those are all the questions that I have. Well, that was fun. Loved it. Yeah. So I guess this is a great way to end this. Okay. Any final thoughts? Anything you want to say? Well, I'm just proud of you for doing this. I know it's been like a work in progress and, you know, you kind of came to me with the idea, like, I don't even know a few months ago now, but I'm just proud of you for actually following through because a lot of people say that they're going to do something and try to like make a plan for it and then don't actually end up doing it. So I'm just proud of what you're doing. And these are great topics too. And, you know, a great subject. Well, thank you for that. Of course. And I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. I feel so special. (laughs) You are special. I appreciate you. All right. Well, we'll close this out, but thank you so much for being on. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. Huge shout out to my dear friend, Macy Banks, for coming on and sharing her story. We had a little bit of fun with this one today. If any of you guys have any questions, as always, email me martinimantha gmail.com or DM me on my Instagram at martinimantha. Stay tuned for sneak peeks of my next guest and topic. So as always, Peace, love, and martinis. Martini Mantha signing off. Hey.